Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Rosie. Yes, Rosie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You're here to help us open a door into a world of hopefully light that is Kingdom Hearts fanfiction. I'm happy to help. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. So yeah, Dom isn't here today, and mostly we thought we would try something new. Yeah. Just see how the flow goes with the two of us and a guest. It's not because we don't like Dom anymore. They're they're totally fine. We've done that before, Tori, haven't we? No. What? Uh, with the Asimov no. episode? Oh, yeah, but that was because Dom was in France. Oh, I see. Yeah, this yeah. time we're just kicking Dom out. Yeah, this That's time we just decided that Dom couldn't join the clubhouse. The Mickey Mouse clubhouse? Yeah. Okay. I, I understood your reference. Um, yeah, we're going to see how it goes with three people. And I think Dom was the least knowledgeable of Kingdom Hearts. I'm hoping, Rosie, you are much more knowledgeable about Kingdom Hearts than I am. Because I basically followed the fanfic. But can you tell us about your background with the series? Sure. Um, so my background is basically I played the first game, I think, around 2004, 2005. Like not long before the uh, second game came out. And I was pretty into that. Um, I was like following the fandom sort of closely. Like that was back when it was more websites. I was going onto the websites and looking at fan fiction and writing my own stuff. And um, then Kingdom Hearts got a little squirrely. They started releasing lots and lots of games on different systems. And I just kind of fell out of it. I think like a lot of people, um, But then the newest game came out this year, so I kind of have gotten back into it, and I've been watching Let's Plays of the old games, and I went and played some of the games I missed, and so now I'm kind of into it again, and I've gotten back up to a level of knowledge I haven't had of the series in a while, so this is a good time for me to talk about this. Is it weird to jump back into that 2002-2004 mode of someone who just played the first game and only had that as reference. Yeah, I mean, it's nice in a way because it's kind of nostalgic. Like, I remember what that was like. And in some ways, I think that was maybe my favorite era of liking Kingdom Hearts because it was, like, so much more straightforward than it is now. Like, now it's like there's there's hundreds of ansoms and um, hundreds of conspiracies, and it's really hard to follow. Um, It's still pretty good at core, but I think that the first game has the most sort of like clear um, and easy to follow story. And it's just the most sort of like, I don't know, archetypal or something. Um, Mm. It just has all the things that are good and not as many of the things that are bad. So that's, I think, a nice thing. Like in the fandom, I think, was focusing just on those relationships and stuff. So as a person who's only really played like most of the way, like, well, no, all the way through the first game and most of the way through the second game, and it seems you have more experience. Is the has there been a lot of influence on like the primary plot and like the understanding of how the games are? It seems like the author of this fanfic indicates that there was a lot of information given out in subsequent games. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like they're like the I don't know like it's just changed a lot? I guess how we understand their world. I think so. It's like it's just gotten really complicated. There's there's lots of twists and turns, and they're the kinds of twists and turns that like 
you could never have predicted them. Like, it's they definitely didn't plan them. It was very much like, mm. like Nomura had, like, saw something in the first game and was like, well, what if this was this? So I'll make it this in the next game. And, like, it's not the kind of thing that you could predict, which I think is what makes it probably hard for people who are writing. Because it's not like you would you would guess that there's going to be, like, all these copies of the main villain in later games or something like that. I was, I, doing, I was doing a little bit of research and reading about the, like, you know, the secret bonus video at the end of the first game, which the author references as, you know, being one of the things they're drawing from. And apparently, you know, it had a lot of little clips and a lot of scenes and a lot of characters saying lines. And they made that. And then the script writer for the series was like, oh, well, now I've got to find a way to work in all of these lines that people have to say <laughs> and like found places for those to go. It was not like a selection from a script that already existed. It was, it seems like a very haphazard process. Yeah. Mm. And do you remember much about Kingdom Hearts 2? Because it got pretty crazy pretty quick, I think. I just looked up the uh, review of the plot for Kingdom Hearts 1, and even that I didn't remember the entire plot of it, but no, Kingdom Hearts 2 kind of eludes me. Like, I, it's the weird thing about Kingdom Hearts. I remember, like, different worlds. Like, I remember the Alice in Wonderland area so specifically from Kingdom Hearts 2, and the the um, Tarzan, um, because there was a fight with the cheetah and the guy with the shotgun, Clayton... Um, and I remember those specific images, but not the plot as much. But the plot is way more complicated than I thought that it was. My knowledge is a little bit fuzzy because I watched a housemate play through Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. Mostly, I definitely missed a fair bit of it back in college. Mm-hmm. And I thought I remembered things fairly clearly, at least from number 1. And number 2, I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. just having trouble remembering it because... It's nigh incomprehensible, but I remember the whole Roxas thing pretty well from the first part of the game. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, the Battle of a Thousand Endless and everything else is in between is kind of fuzzy. Uh, but that's okay, because the author didn't know Kingdom Hearts 2 either. Mm-hmm. This fanfic is Synonymy by Ruaki. Synonymy, I guess, is the state of being synonymous. I don't it, really understand. Is that the actual definition? That's the definition, the dictionary okay. definition. I have no idea how that relates to the fanfic. But if you get an ideas, um, chime in. I have some thoughts, but okay. I, I don't know. I can save them for after we've gone through it. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could do that as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's save it for the end, I suppose. Um, anyway, the fanfic was published in between October 2002 and October 2004, at which point it ended... And it is not finished. It's incomplete. Chain of Memories came out November 2004. So Chain of Memories wasn't quite out by the time this fanfic was done being written. And Kingdom Hearts 2 was on the horizon, but still not out in Japan for another year after that. It's all based on the original Kingdom Hearts. The fanfic is on fanfiction.net. It's an older one, so some of the formatting and links are kind of gone and unformatted. But you can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfr hearts. I'm not making you spell synonymy. I'm not sure I could. Just <clears throat> synonymous with a Y. It's not it's not synonymous y. Uh, well, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Without I, the O U S. I had yes. trouble like pronouncing the word in my head even. I wanted to say like synomony. Oh Syn- me too. Synomony. I just kept thinking <laughs> that. Yeah. 
I had little thought loops about it where the word just like blended into the word monomena. <laughs> now, the very first thing in this fanfic, you know, the author says the title, warns about spoilers, and says a disclaimer. The disclaimer, you know, usually there's a jokey thing about not owning the franchise. And they say, Riku didn't end up confessing undying love to Sora in the game, so I'm pretty sure I don't own them. And I think that sets where the author's coming from as way into the Sora-Riku relationship. Yeah, but does Riku end up confessing undying love to Sora in this fan fiction? Well, the fan fiction ends early. Yeah, so they're on their, their way, huh? Now, it seems to me that that must have been a main focus of the original Kingdom Hearts game fandom. Is that accurate? Yeah, well, I, I, I didn't, like, follow too much of the shipping, I would say, but... um. I do know that, like, this, the male pairings in this series are a pretty big deal. Like, there's some characters who show up in later, like, Axel and Roxas from uh, the second game are mm. a big one, I think. Or were a big one at one time, I guess. But um, I think it makes a lot of sense, because uh, Kingdom Hearts doesn't always do, like, a great job defining its female characters really well. Like, they're often kind of, I feel like, in the background, and they don't get a lot to do. Like, they're interesting. I, I like them, but I think... They're harder to latch on to. But, like, Sora and Riku get so much definition. And, the fo- like, finding Riku is such, like, a kind of saving Riku is such a huge focus of the, a focus of the game. And it's kind of a little more, uh, I feel like, maybe rich than finding Kairi. Because Kairi is just like, we got to save her, basically. But Riku, it's like, oh, he's evil. And he was my friend. But now he's being a jerk and I have to save him. And it, it also, like he does a lot kind of in reaction to Sora. So I can really see how someone would latch onto them as a pairing. Yeah. I hear that. It, it seems like Kyrie plays, you know, damsel in distress at one point and it's like, she can be a perfectly fine, like strong and empowered character, but she just gets no screen time. If I remember right. right very little. And it's like, they kind of, the uh, creators kind of thought, Oh, that's enough that she fights and she's a girl, but she doesn't have a lot of depth. Like, you could sum up kind of her character and her relationships very easily. So yeah, I like the point that the amount of time paid to the male characters makes their relationship more viable. Oh, and I mean, Roxas and what's his name? Axel get a whole game of just basically building up their relationship. And that's like the whole point of the game even. Uh, That's 365. How do you even say that title? I've heard it said 365 over two days. That's what I was going (laughs) to say, but it sounds wrong. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I've heard that. I don't know if that's actually right. but Yeah, 365 hmm. over two days. I, I read a Let's Play of it, I think, at some point, and it's really all about Roxas and Axel. And, like, and Lordums. Huge but shit. mostly just that. And I will say a third character who is one of the better defined female characters in the series. But Oh, maybe I didn't read that far then. Yeah. I don't remember anyone else. I remember people, like, when I was younger on DeviantArt paying a lot of attention to Roxas and Axel and also I think another female character who may be that one or not but hmm. well going back to the fanfic the fanfic has I guess seven chapters and it's a little bit confusing on fanfiction.net because the site does its own labeling of chapter one two three but the author's labeling starts at chapter zero Uh, which is kind of just a lead-in. And the fanfic picks up immediately after Kingdom Hearts 1, which makes sense, because that's what they were writing about. 
Anyone want to try to describe just briefly what's happening in this kind of prologue part? It's really more about impressions than it is about plot. There's a lot of this fanfic that has really incredible imagery, mm-hmm. but a lot of it's very dreamlike, and it can be a little unclear what's literally happening. Um, I appreciate it because I love, you know, I'm like obsessed with imagism, so it's like totally cool to me. But it starts out with, well, first of all, it starts with an Edgar Allan Poe quote, which is, (laughs) all that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. And then the first few lines are, like, there's a tilde around each and then a separate line but it'll be like you no i you and i i and you me and him him and me we we're and then the tilde stop and it says drowning Mm -hmm. and then there's a lot like a description of this feeling of drowning yeah then there's some bold with some brackets that says i've been having these weird thoughts lately so there's a lot of interspersed with the rest of what's going on (laughs) exactly very yeah formally experimental uh, which I feel like... I think it's very beautiful. But I think yeah, it catches it, the Kingdom Hearts feel for good or ill. Like, yeah, it's they're doing interesting things, but also half the time I'm not sure what's happening. Yeah, I was just kind of skimming this again, and I think they're trying to sort of capture the feel of, like, the opening movie. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, I don't know if, how well you remember that, but it's like the, you know, the Utada Hikaru saga is playing, and it's like... Sora is like falling out of the sky mm-hmm. and into the water and like seeing his friends and they're like getting swallowed up by the ocean and then he's like falling again. And so I feel like it's a little bit of what the fan fiction is trying to do of like, it's all the same stuff, but with Riku. Yeah. So Riku's pulled underwater and like sees Sora briefly and like is on the beach and, um, you know, is not sure whether he sees Ansem or Sora and is seeking forgiveness from Sora in his own mind and then just sort of loses consciousness again as Sora reaches out to him without emotion. And, right, it's very... It's a lot of symbolism or imagery, right? I assume. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I've been having these weird thoughts lately is a line from the from the game. Oh, I didn't realize that. From like, the beginning? Yeah, like, from the opening movie, it's like Sora's falling, and he's like, I've been having these weird thoughts lately. Like, is any of this for real or not? And I have no idea what that means. Like, I've never known what that means. How about at the end of this prologue, don't be afraid of the darkness. You are the one who will open the door. Is that... I think, yeah, that... I can't remember... Oh, yeah, that's from early in the game, too. Like, there's this whole tutorial section. It's, like, kind of a dream. It's, like, he's going through and, like, seeing symbolic representations of stuff that's going to happen. And then, like, at the end of the boss battle, he, like, almost gets... Like, Sora almost gets consumed by this... Um, heartless, and then that line comes up, basically. Okay, so what it's setting the stage for, like you said, I think, Tori, is that, or one of you, is that it's really, there's two main threads in this fanfic, and one of them is basically post-Kingdom Hearts Riku waking up at, like, the beginning of the Kingdom Hearts game and kind of going through events again, sort of, except things are different. Um, Like, people are commenting, oh, you... You just woke up from this fever, like that you had for a week or a couple of weeks or something. You were sick for a long time, and he's like, "I don't remember that at all." But then a lot of things are similar. And he's uh, a lot of flashbacks too. Well, that's or, the other thing is that simultaneous yeah. to that plot 
There's lots of flashbacks of Riku and Sora's relationship starting and developing. And I feel like of the two plot lines, that one doesn't affect the main one. It's probably easier to talk about in a sense, in a plot sense. Like, there's a lot of different things that happen between them as characters. Yeah. Hmm. But I think we can probably discuss those two separately. Where would you like to start? Requins or flashbacks or the Kingdom Hearts action? It's kind of hard to know where to start because, especially with this opening chapter, I feel like the writing is so beautiful, but it's so much imagery that it's hard to describe it, you know? It's <laughs> that's just like, that's oh, why we're yes. going to be sticking, I think. What is this? We'll so, skim over some things yeah. and we'll go back to topics okay. that we want to discuss, I think. Well, yeah, in that sense, I don't know. Do, do y'all have a preference of, of where we start with this plot? Sure. Let's jump into the flashbacks, because the author is clearly very, very interested in fleshing out Riku and Sora's relationship. Yeah. And so she introduces their relationship as having been that, like, Riku was established on the island and Sora moves in. And he's, like, the young, earnest, you know, want-to-makes-friends kid, kind of shonen protagonist, and Riku's the standoffish cool one, even at that point. But... Sora sort of forces his way into being friends, and pretty early on there's this thing in the flashbacks where Riku, every time he... It's written from Riku's perspective, and every time Sora is referred to as a pronoun, it's capitalized. I don't know if you got that, Tori, because you were listening to it. Like, Riku... Mm. The text will say he, oh, yes, meaning Sora, yes. and it will be a capital I H. I see that. There's a lot of formal stuff in this, like a lot of playing with those formal aspects. I, I think it works. I think it's a little bit much but like i can kind of get this impression that the author is taking a cue from like the modernists right like there's a lot of imagism and there's a lot of like that playing with formal elements sort of like the blast manifesto like especially that bold nut brackets which is great because i love the modernists you know but i don't know if that was a little too english nerdy for this podcast but not at all (laughs) Uh, I mean, we have you here as an English nerd. That's I know. Function. That is my function. So there you go. Rosie, what's your take on this relationship between the two of them? Why do you think, at least as the author is portraying it, Sora becomes such a huge, like, l- looming presence in Riku's life so quickly? Mm, well, I guess in this story, it's interesting because they kind of give Riku, like, a tragic yeah. backstory, which is not present in the games. That was That's, like, totally the author's creation. Like, he's got this mom who's like catatonic and a kind of distant grandmother. And he's not really friends with any of the other kids. So. And his dad died at sea. His dad died at sea. Yeah. So it seems like Sora is the, the one he latches onto. Who's the person who kind of, you know, maybe brings him out of that or like gives him something to feel good about. Mm -hmm. Um, I always, I don't know if this is his present, in the fic, but I always also got the sense that like Riku almost kind of had a big brotherly kind of attitude towards Sora. Cause like, I think this does appear in the fic to some extent, like he has to, he seems to always be challenging Sora and like trying to make him stronger by um, sort of being mean to him sometimes or being like tough on him. I think that shows up in one of the first he, chapters. Yeah. He has that conversation explicitly with Kyrie, and he, from Riku's perspective. This is back to the, like, what I would call the main plot of the fanfic, where Riku finds himself kind of at the beginning of the series. He doesn't freak out as much as I would expect. He just kind of goes along with things. Because, like, the you know, he and Sora and Kyrie are still building that boat, and he doesn't seem to be like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. 
He's just like, huh, this is a little different than I remembered, but I mm-hmm. guess is someone messing with my memory? Because that would be weird, but he's still just sort of going through the actions. Anyway, he has a conversation with Kyrie, and apparently, according to him, they have a conversation repeatedly where she's like, oh, you should you should be nicer to Sora. And he's like, Sora, I need to push Sora so he can be his best self or whatever. Yeah, and like, it's interesting because I think it just makes me think about how there is a lot in the game that would kind of suggest this deep relationship because you are seeing Riku, even just in the game, kind of push Sora. So I could see how you can extrapolate this whole, like, really close relationship because there's something interesting going on there where it's like, I'm being mean because I know you can be stronger or something like that. Or I'm being mean because I'm worried that you're not going to be strong enough on your own or something. Um, So I think I find that really interesting. And I feel like it makes some sense with this backstory too, like that he would um, develop this like need to keep Sora safe because he was so important in his childhood. Hmm. There's also just a lot of insecurity, though, like, in yeah, this conversation. Yeah, there is. Yeah, it starts here in this conversation with Kyrie. I, I felt like it was kind of intense. Like, I kind of always read, you know, Riku's character is, like, they're so young, you know? It's just, like, that's the kid thing. Um, he's, like, trying to just be, like, kind of, like, tough and protective, totally. But in this... And maybe it's because it's implied that he's already had so many experiences, but he's, like, thinking the whole time when he's talking to Kyrie, like, Sora likes you better than me, mm-hmm. and he's feeling that jealousy, and he's like, oh, and you like Sora better than you like me. He's, like, feeling like such an outsider in his entire friend group. It's very, um, angsty. Yeah, a little um, bit. It makes it kind of hard for me a little bit sometimes to, like, feel... I don't know, almost to, like, get into the perspective of his character because it's so much of... It's well, so much self-pity. And he's also just really Sora-obsessed. Like, he likes yes. Kyrie okay. Yeah. But he doesn't really... I don't know if I'd really even call her a close friend in this fanfic. Yeah. I know, that's... She's more that's, like Sora's friend. Right. Who he also hangs that's, out with and sometimes has fun with. That's the thing that's weird is that he, like, he's obsessed with Sora, but he doesn't even consider Kyrie to, like, be a friend it makes it feel like he's not i don't know understanding what a friendship is like <laughs> i mean yeah that might be fair yeah I, I think it's also fair to describe riku in this fanfic as just being in love with sora like i think yeah. that's he's but that's like his, his thoughts only have a very right his thoughts have a very romantic feel he's like afraid of kind of revealing the depth of his emotion because he's afraid of rejection you know, all of those are dynamics that are going on as well as the older brotherliness and the, you know, the jealousy of Kyrie and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just wish he had, I don't know, more depth to his motivation. But then again, I have to remember that he's supposed to be like 13 or something. So How old are they supposed <laughs> to be? Kyrie and Sora are like 14, Riku's like 15. Oh, yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Standard video game protagonist age. Yeah, yeah children. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I tire of is hearing how much Riku loves Sora, despite the fact that he doesn't encounter Sora, really? Like, well, he doesn't, he doesn't, I guess. Well, we have those flashbacks. Yeah. And we can go back over any flashbacks we want to discuss later. But I'd also like to get into, I guess, the main plot. Um, I know what problem you're describing, Tori. It's, It's hard to describe what happens in this fanfic because... There's there's so many things the author spends a whole lot of time writing and spending lots of effort on the words of 
that I would also just summarize in two sentences if I was like condensing it. It's a good point. Yeah, it's it's hard to put this fan fiction into a summary because there is a lot of beautiful language, but the literal plot is simultaneously a little bit convoluted and also a little bit, I don't know, succinct when you really look at it. It's like not yeah. that many things happen in the literal world, but it's described very well. Yeah, like it actually took me several chapters to kind of realize what was going on. Me too. Yeah. Like at some point it's like, oh, I'm reliving the events of the game but it's like i'm in sora's place and i was like oh okay that's what's happening now i get it and i feel like those first few chapters are the weakest because i feel like there's probably about two more chapters than there should have been Mm. especially towards the beginning i got way into it later on but early on basically he's reliving the very beginning events of the game uh heartless attack the island like they take Kyrie, he tries to escape with sora and, you know, they have no way of fighting it off. And a Duran Duran song plays. That's true. That was the one that I recognized. Because it's the one Duran Duran song that anybody knows. Yeah, so the did we mention that the author... We have not mentioned that? it. Oh, yeah. So the author has a song for each chapter, which just is like a, a few lyrics just um, interposed it within the text inserted into the text um and the first one in chapter one is ordinary world from duran duran which is actually perfect for the tone because riku is like slowly realizing his melancholy and it's like but i won't cry for yesterday with a bunch of plus signs surrounding all of the letters but right i think the idea is that a fanfic author might use some arbitrary symbol to signal uh, scene breaks, like a bunch yeah. of dashes or a bunch of slashes or whatever. And so the author is doing that with pluses, but hiding the letters in the middle of right. it. Right. And then the last, at the end of this um, chapter one, which is chapter two, which is, okay, um, <laughs> it's the last lyric that they use is, I will learn to survive. So you get this impression of Riku's melancholy, but you don't like fully understand why. A lot of it has to do with the fact that he is actually flashing back to an alternate reality, which we learn later, but we have no idea of this at this time. We just get these vague impressions that he's done this before and that he's sad for some reason. So is there much to say besides by the end of chapter three, like Sora seems a little bit off compared to canon Sora. He's a little bit more, like, moody and distant. And he's like, oh, I'm not afraid of the darkness. And he ends up getting pulled into the darkness, like you do. And um, Riku, you know, tries to save him, but can't. Grabs his keychain, right? Or his, key- his necklace. Necklace, necklace yeah. which is not a keychain. Yeah, well, it is, but it is, uh, it's confusing. Where does that come from in Kingdom Hearts? Like, is that a thing that Sora always had? Like, a what would become a Keyblade keychain around his neck? He's always got this crown necklace that's, like, incorporated into all his different designs. Um, but I think it, it's also on the end of his Keyblade. But I think it's, it's like, the same symbol, but I don't think it's actually the necklace because he's mm. still wearing the necklace when he has the Keyblade. I might be remembering wrong, but I feel like mm. I remember that same crown necklace symbol being on the end of the Keyblade. I'm almost sure it must have been, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and all that ends up with Riku being dumped into, do we say Traverse Town? Traverse Town? I think Traverse Town. I don't actually know. Traverse is how you (laughs) say the word in a normal context. I always said Traverse Town, but I don't actually know. I I want to say Traverse Town, even though I'm sure that's just wrong. It just sounds less like the verb. 
Do what you want. I don't know if anyone ever actually says it in the game, so I think it's like a potato, potato. Mm. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> yes. All right. So yeah, Riku's dumped into. To, I guess I'll go against my grain. Traverse town, and you know, Pluto nudges him, and it's just completely Kingdom Hearts. That's at the end of chapter three. It was hard for me to get to this point because of the density of the writing, and I feel like probably that's where you probably should have ended at the end of chapter one, in my mind. Mm. I don't know if you two agree, but like one one long chapter to kind of get it set up and like figure out that you're reliving the game and dump Riku into the plot of the game, I think would have gotten things moving a little bit more. Yeah, I kind of agree in the sense, I mean, I do agree. And, and it's only, but like the main reason why is because for the first three chapters, you kind of have no idea what's going on. And I think it makes it more convoluted that like, they're building the raft in the first chapter, but there's a vague sense that it's not quite right. In the second chapter, it's like Sora and um, Riku's first meeting, but there's also a sense that it's not quite right. So I kind of, and then the third chapter, I don't really remember specifically, but you kind of get this impression of what the author's going for, like building the scenes, but each of them is not quite right. But because you don't have a lot of context for what is actually happening going in, it just... I don't know. It's like, what am I reading? Basically, it's like feels like you're jumping around. Yeah, it's doing something. In my opinion, what do you think, Rosie? I think I kind of agree. I think as I was reading it, I was sort of enjoying it because the writing is really kind of dense and interesting. Um, and I also found it sort of fun because my sort of impression of Riku is that he's very angsty and melodramatic. So to me, it seemed like the kind of thing that it sort of seemed how like how Riku's narration would be so I was kind of I thought that was kind of funny um and enjoyable but once I realized what was actually happening I did sort of feel like why didn't we know that earlier like why didn't the author just get to the point so it's like I sort of enjoyed it in the moment but then thinking about it structurally I do feel like it could have been clearer or just gotten to more quickly could have had a better hook I feel like yeah. In terms of grabbing your interest, more in terms of, oh, that what's going on is interesting instead of what is happening. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. But, like, I'm kind of in the same space with Rosie, though, because, like, the writing is so beautiful. Like, I just wanted to keep reading it anyway, even though I had no idea what was going on. Mm. So I feel like that was mainly the author's hook is, like, the imagery and then the characters being, you know, consistent to themselves, I guess. Well, from this point on, the plot is on more solid ground. And chapter four is basically devoted to um, Riku meeting Sid and the rest of the Final Fantasy crew and, you know, getting attacked by Heartless. And does he have a Keyblade by the end of chapter four? I don't quite remember. I think so. I think that's about when he gets one. Because, of course, that's going to happen, right? I mean, that's that's what Riku does. He Keyblades. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that definitely well, happens by the end of chapter four. He gets... The Keyblade comes from when he pulls Sora's necklace off, right? Right, and it doesn't turn into the Keyblade he had right. in canon. It turns into um, Absolution. Is that an actual Keyblade? I don't think so. I think that might be a creation of the author. Oh, yeah, because I think they mentioned, oh, here's a concept art of what it looks like. Um, but the link is broken, so we couldn't follow it. Oh, you know what? I found a picture of it on DeviantArt. Oh, cool. Which I did not bother to look for before. Does, is there a description here? How do you read a deviant art? Google seemed to indicate there was some sort of like text comment that I can't find. Information. Ah, 
Absolution. Yep. It's from the fanfic. It's kind of holy night looking, I would say, especially the imagery that the author's using of oh, Riku holding it. I think it. that's the, the text. Oh, yeah, that is the text. Absolutely. That's pretty nice. It's from Synonymy. Hmm. Here you go. You huh. don't, you that's don't not see... what I pictured it looking like, honestly. The thing is, you don't see the end of it in this picture. It just looks like an actual sword. There's no key coming yeah. off of it. Strange. In the image. Because the, the end of the blade is below the bottom of the picture. And where's the, um, you know, not to, of course, talk about something our audience can't see, but where's the dangly bit that's supposed to be like Sora's necklace? Oh, hmm. yeah. Good question. I don't actually <laughs> see it there. I don't know. That's, uh, well, it's an interesting depiction. Hmm. You can't have a keyblade without a keychain. Mm-hmm. It's the rule. Now, I mentioned that chapter four is when Riku meets Sid, the accessories shop guy in Traverse Town. Um, and chapter five, he meets a bunch of other, other Final Fantasy characters in Traverse Town. And because I'm more of a Final Fantasy fan than anything else in this, I start having thoughts around here. For one thing, Sid. Yeah. The writing is usually pretty strong in this, right? Yeah. yeah. So what happened with Sid's accent? Yeah, he's, <sighs> he's like Cockney. He, he's not just Cockney, though. He's like everything. He has oh. freaking and frickin. He, yeah, he has lots of, um, what, do you say shite? Is that how you say it? S-H-I-T-E? Or yeah. is it just shit? No, I think it's shite. A, yeah, that's definitely it. He's he's saying you know with like Y-A-N-N-O, yeah, which is know. something they were giving to Sora, which kind of made sense, but makes less sense on him. Like, I just, I just have to comment on this. In Original Kingdom Hearts, here is a quote from Sid who, you know, always speaks a little bit dialectical in Final Fantasy VII and in Kingdom Hearts, talking about the gummy ship and how they don't know anything about gummy ships. You're mm. kidding me. You fly, you're flying a gummy ship and you don't know nothing about navigation gummies? Bunch of pinheads. Interspace ain't no playground. Here is Sid talking about Donald and Goofy's gummy ship in Chapter 6 of this fanfic. If you give me a couple of days, I could bloody hell get this piece of cockney junk up to freaking par with a real bitchin' ship. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> I just don't know what happened. Um, it kind of seems like the author, w- they it's like they were trying really hard to get his, the flavor of his character, but, but I just don't think they knew what that was. He's mostly Cockney, but he's never been Cockney in any game. Mm-hmm. And then he's also just kind of anything else. It's, it's bonkers. I was kind of wondering if the author was British and like she was trying to, they were trying to capture like sort of Sid's, I guess, like saltiness, but like in a way that they understood. But then you're, you, you, it is true that it's kind of everything. So I don't know what the author was going for. Yeah, he's he's so salty. He's so salty that your doctor warns you against him in this fanfic. <laughs> he can't go a sentence without working in some kind of like bloody or or shite yeah. or freaking or freaking or or anything. Uh, there's a point where he says, look, kid, no offense or anything, but lots of bloody folk come through here. <laughs> and, like, All right. and then he, then there's God forsaken, but it's spelled G-A-W-D. Yep. Which is kind of a Midwestern thing. Like you're doing God, God like God forsaken. I, I, mean, I can't I don't even. mean a Midwestern thing to spell it that way, but like if you're writing kind of a Midwestern dialect, you might do like G-A-W-D. I don't know. I feel like that God, 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 God. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, sounding more new york there i I can't i don't know you have a good point it jumped out at me um 
What I like, though, when he does meet Sid is that he also meets the Moogle. Oh, yeah. We got a new Moogle character named Mogki. Mogki, which was my favorite character, actually. And the descriptions of the Moogle's movement are so good. Well, so this this Moogle takes a liking to Riku. I forget exactly why. I think he just does. Yeah. And starts kind of just following him around. And this is a Kingdom Hearts Moogle, so it's pretty tiny, right? Like, how big are these supposed to be? Like the size of a stuffed animal, I think, or smaller, maybe? Okay. Well, he's able to sit on top of Riku's head fairly comfortably. Right. I'm, I, you know, mostly come from Final Fantasy VI. That's like my favorite Final Fantasy game. And the Moogles in that game are clearly like about the same size as a person, maybe a little shorter, maybe a little bit wider. And it's interesting because they give Mogki some pretty effective magical power. They give Mogki the dance ability of Mog from Final Fantasy VI. Mm-hmm. So he's just rocking all these like kind of terrain-themed magical attacks when like nobody else is throwing a fire spell or anything. I mean, maybe Squall does, I don't know. But yeah, he he just kind of tags along. He has no plot purpose as far as this fanfic was able to get. Mm. But I guess he serves a character purpose in terms of he's like an entity that Riku can feel like slightly um, caregiving towards just a little bit. Like he feels some affection for like the cuteness of the Moogle. He yeah, represses he, it. Doesn't he kind of inspire him to? Oh, does he inspire him to summon the Keyblade because he gets injured? Oh yeah, he does, doesn't he? They need to invent someone for Riku to care about because he definitely does not care about like Sid or or anyone else there. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that the, when Mogki appears is when Riku sort of becomes a likable character to me hmm. because at first Riku is really irritated, but then he instantly develops affection and it. It's like him having affection for something other than Sora. Because, like, I think you said a motto that his thing for Sora is more, like, obsessive than mm-hmm. anything. Like, and it's fine. He cares about him. But because Sora's not much of an actual presence, so much as a memory presence, it makes Riku seem like kind of like an obsessive, jealous lover more than, like, an intricate character with actual feelings. And his his kind of reluctant care for Mogki humanizes him a lot more. Hmm, that's a good point. Um, yeah, in terms of his kind of sullenness as a character, that's another thing I wanted to comment about Final Fantasy-wise. Leon comes in, which is, say, Squall. I don't know. I don't know why they changed his name. Oh, is that what's going on? Leon is Squall. I thought that there was another character named Leon, and there were two. I literally interpreted it as Squall and Leon were both two people that were both there. <laughs> I don't know how I missed that. Yeah, he's he's Leon in Kingdom Hearts, and I think there's a reason why, but it never really made sense well, to me. Well, he see. says he changed his name like out of shame for not being able to protect Radiant Garden. That's right. But no one else did. It was yeah, just him. It doesn't make a lot and, of like, sense. He's referred to as Squall in this fanfic. Well, yeah, Yuffie calls him Squall, and he's like, I'm Leon. Oh, okay. That must have just breezed through me. Right. Right. Got Um, it now. Anyway, Squall's an asshole, right? Final Mm -hmm. Fantasy VIII. But I feel like in this fanfic, uh, how can I put this? Riku is the kind of asshole that Squall was in Final Fantasy VIII, whereas Squall is, like, much more of an active jerk. Like, he's calling... You know, Riku is like kid or like some diminutive cub, like he calls cub. Him cub. But like, I thought that was fair because he's what is Leon is what a twenty year old or something, pretty young, so old, 
pretty young, right? And he's just like, this kid, this kid <laughs> is too cocky. It's driving me crazy. Like, it's not the way, you know, no, I what, would treat a kid, but if I was, like, 18 years old and some annoying, like, 15-year-old was, like, I know everything, I might be, you know, in that same attitude. I don't know. I know, but wouldn't Squall treat that with some pointed dot, dot, dots and maybe a, like, you're annoying or something? To be fair, he does kind of ignore him quite a bit, but then he'll, like, come back at him and be like, you just don't know everything, kid. Mm. I don't know. I kind of liked it because Riku had become a little more annoying to me at this point in his cockiness, but... Uh, I didn't. don't think I asked Rosie, do you have any Final Fantasy background before Kingdom Hearts? I don't have too much. Um, like, I've played some of the games, but I have finished very few, and it's been a while. So that was an area that I was kind of unfamiliar to me in this fic, because I got the sense that the author was drawing more from kind of Final Fantasy knowledge. Like, uh, like Monkey doing the magic spell and like kind of what they were maybe going for with Sid and things mm-hmm. like that. But I didn't really have that background. So and I just was... a whole lot more lines being given to people like Yuffie and Squall. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Leon. The last thing I want to comment on in this kind of area of the fanfic is when I was reading this, I found a lengthy passage that I thought was like kind of representative of the experience of reading the fanfic. Um, and I don't think I took to the fanfic quite as well as you two. So partially I was just kind of rolling my eyes here. This is Riku waking up in, what is it, like the, the attic of the accessory shop or whatever, wherever these people operate out of, and he's getting dressed. Like Yuffie's poked her head in and got him oriented. He's getting dressed. Draping the towel over my hair, I stepped out of the tub regarding the neatly folded clothes on the sink counter with an air of distaste. There was nothing wrong with my old clothes. Okay, sure, they were a bit tattered, but she didn't have to be so rude about it. I pawed through the pile, wondering what practical use half the accessories had. Tugging a pair of dark denim pants from the pile, I pulled them on, wincing a little from the newness feel of them. I had a feeling they might have been a size too small on purpose. A few minutes were spent fiddling with the belts that studded the waist, hips, and legs before I managed to figure out what went where. Next was a black and red shirt, sleeveless and form-fitting. With a slight roll of my eyes, I unzipped the front and shrugged it on. At least it looked similar to my beloved yellow top, albeit the dark colors contrasted so much against my skin that I looked almost bloodless. Bloodless, excuse me. The specter in the large mirror over the sink stared back at me, peeking out from under the viridian material of the towel. Eyes darkened from exhaustion and tension caught mine, and every time I tried to look away, they followed. I didn't want to see those empty orbs. Didn't want to be mocked about how I tried so hard to cling to humanity when I sold my heart for power, and yet gained nothing, even as I lost everything. That gaze was persistent, though, tracking me and forcing me to look. They looked the same. Emeralds had lost their polish. Should I have expected something different? I leaned forward over the counter, almost nose to nose with my reflection. Can you see my soul? My reflection repeated the question. No reply came from either of us. Instead, we stared hard at each other, straining to search for that elusive answer. A sparkle glittered in the depths of tarnished viridescent jewels. Green swirled blue, dark dissipated into light, sadness swayed to joy. Sora? And then the bathroom door opens. That's Riku putting on his clothes. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah that's... That is kind of how this fanfic that's, goes. That's how the whole fanfic... I, I shouldn't say that. That's how the fanfic is, especially towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. Once the action picks up in the second half of it, I feel like the author tones that down a bit. But it's just... Everything is like... 
evocative description leading into deep thoughts, leading into thinking about Sora. Yeah. Like, I, I also made a note of, and I was like getting really excited that you were going to read the Can You See My Soul line, <laughs> because I made note of that, and that also stood out to me. And I, I thought that was kind of unintentionally hilarious, actually, and I loved it. Um, but I think what that's making me think about is part of, I think, my affection for this fanfic is it. I have a lot of affection for Riku as a character and sort of his, like, maudlinness and his angst, teen angst. And to me, this this fanfic just really captured that really well. Um, and I feel like since I've gotten older, I just kind of find that funny in a way. <laughs> like, because it's like, you know, calm down, you're 15, it's going to be fine. So now I just have all this affection for that sort of, like, over-the-top melodramatic kind of uh tone i guess so i thought that was kind of like funny i guess yeah and i enjoyed it i like, i wanted to say something similar to like really but almost the same thing that the, like my affection comes from that that teenageness like i remember i writing a poem like in my teenage years that was like one of the lines was like um pale fingers fervently adhering and detaching from the co- the caustic wound in your side or something like that. Like that like teenage melodrama is embodied perfectly here, but it's nicely counterpointed with like really good description of certain scenes. Of course, the certain scenes are always like falling and drowning and like stars burning out. And it's very melodramatic, but it is well described but it is melodramatic. It's likable in its own sense. I really think it is. It seems like that didn't make me smile. And my real complaint isn't even the writing there. Like, it actually is a good character moment and well, you know, written interestingly. It's just that it's all good character moments written interestingly and, like, for a long part of the fanfic. And so you just... I just had trouble, like, pulling myself through it because it just kind of kept going in a similar sort of writing tone, I thought. Yeah, the pacing is is odd for that reason, because it is like, it takes a very long time just for Riku to put on his clothes, because he's thinking so hard about his soul. (laughs) Yes, can you see my soul? But then, of course, as soon as he opens the bathroom door, it's all about, like, Yuffie... Um, criticizing his fashion sense again. Yeah. (laughs) And it's interesting how, I don't know, the moments I feel like could have been more humorous, such as Yuffie trying to dress him, all filtered through Riku's gaze become very melancholy nonetheless. Mm. It's like the humor that was, the author was trying for is overshadowed by his uh, over-the-topness, I guess. Well, speaking of humor and also kind of plot progression... What happens is Riku ends up telling the Final Fantasy characters, I don't know what to call them as a group, the Final Fantasy characters, like everything he knows about what happened except all the personal stuff. Um, Less about his undying love for Riku and more about like, yes, in my continuity, I was possessed by Ansem or whatever. And they're not really sure what's going on with that. And so they go to see Merlin. Mm -hmm. And here's where I started enjoying the fanfic more, less for this chapter specifically, but for part of this chapter. Because they get to Merlin, just like in the game, and Merlin gives them a plot dump, albeit a very different one from the game. But the author comments at the end of this chapter, which I believe is chapter four? Uh, Chapter five. Yeah. That in the game, Merlin's hella boring, 
And that was my recollection too, is it's just like he's there, he gives you some stuff, tells you what to do, but he doesn't have a whole lot of character. And this author starts putting a whole lot of time into giving Merlin a friggin' scene, like a really long scene showcasing Merlin as a character. They comment they comment they hadn't seen the Sword in the Stone for a really long time, but I thought they were pretty accurate. Well, yeah. they kind of just... I mean, I was going to say is that they, they kind of just... I don't... Copied, I guess, that scene in Sword in the Stone where he's making all the the pots wash themselves and stuff. They did do that. They copied a lot of the same like images and, and characterizations of the animate objects, but it works because it's kind of what you would expect in Kingdom Hearts. And there's a few twists there. Like he keeps calling for Archimedes, who is just not present. And like Merlin has cut, forgotten, like he's gone or like he doesn't have Archimedes anymore. That was kind of sad. Like where the heck did Archimedes go? Ar- Archimedes, mm. right. Archimedes. Yeah. And like when they enter... Merlin, you know, stands up all dramatically and says, Your coming has been foretold. I, Myrdin, Emrys, Taliesin, Merlin, have prophesied the coming of the Keyblade Master and now stand ready to lend you my wisdom, Sora. And Riku's like, I, I'm not Sora. And, you know, Merlin gets to be like, uh, Are you sure you're not Sora? You, you were supposed to be Sora. He also explains to Riku why he was expecting Sora and why it's very obvious that Sora's not there because it's an alternate timeline is what we will go on to understand. However, he keeps calling Riku Sora. That's the downside of the scene is that this plot dump goes on for way too long given that what he's saying is, hey, because you traveled through time, you're in a different time stream than you were. And so things aren't going to go the same way as they did. That took me... One sentence with commas? I don't know. It takes Merlin a long, long time to like convey. A whole chapter. Yeah. Yeah, in which he does a very long, like, so if A were to be B and B were to be C, then C would go back to B and A would be, and you're just like, what? That is the most confusing way to explain Look, what you're talking about ever. I, I completely understood the situation, and I still did not understand Merlin's explanation of the situation. Yeah, I reread that like six times because I was like, okay, is there something I'm missing here? And it's like, no, no, it's just everything you thought was happening. Oh, and th- at this point, they're kicking around some theories that probably Ansem is behind this. And maybe Riku remembers things because he was bonded with Ansem in, you know, the main continuity. And so maybe he got pulled back, maybe accidentally. They're not sure. Yeah, actually, I didn't fully get that. I think I was still a little unclear on some of the details. But their theory is that Ansem, upon being defeated, used some kind of magic to cast at least his consciousness back in time to before he was defeated, like the start of the game. And Riku, that happened to Riku also, but didn't happen to anyone else. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, because I guess they were connected. They had been, yeah. Yeah. There's one point of confusion I really have, though, which is how much does Riku remember? Because it seems like at first he... he thinks the reality he's experiencing should be the real reality and that his flashbacks are not real. But by the time we get to this scene, he's really convinced that all this stuff has already happened. Like, he knows Ansem has been defeated. He knows that, you know, he he kind of knows all the plot information from Kingdom Hearts. I remember him having certain... It does seem like he's disoriented and doesn't really remember all of it at the start. Mm. But I remember various scenes through here that kind of build that up. Like, 
when he ends up in Traverse Town, he's like, this is going kind of like they did in, in the original, mm-hmm. in like how I remember it, but it's different. And he has one time where he's like, no, I'm 100% sure that all these things I remember did happen to me. Like, my mind has a clear chronological progression of all the things in Kingdom Hearts happening, and then being sealed behind the door, and then waking up and going from there, like back on the Destiny Islands. And so I, I think the author builds it. It's just, it's easy to lose those threads in the rest of the words. Well, especially because there's not a huge point made about these discoveries for him. Like for Riku, it's sort of like, oh, now I know this, and now I know this, but it kind of comes out in the course of other things rather than being like focused on Riku, Riku's continual like built understanding of what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And he sort of goes along with the situation. Yeah. Um, like, especially early on. <laughs> uh, like he's not like, oh no, oh wait, what's happening? This all happened before. It's like he's like, oh, I guess I'm experiencing these things again. Mm-hmm. That's cool. <laughs> the yeah, end of the conversation definitely. with Merlin is basically after all of this plot dumping and theorizing, Merlin says, oh, Merlin removed his glasses watching me. There are an infinite amount of possibilities, Riku, but some are no longer open to you. Do not trust what you think you know except in a Merlin voice. All I know is that I have to find Sora and stop Ansem. It's enough, right? I glared stubbornly back, daring him to say anything otherwise. A thick pause stretched between us, carrying our measuring stairs before Merlin smiled. Correct. And so the whole result of it is like, Riku's like, well, I guess I'll just do the Kingdom Hearts plot. And so it's kind of funny when they track down Donald and Goofy, Riku's like, okay, let's go. Like, you, you have a ship, I need your ship. Like, we're coming along. You want to find Mickey, I want to find Sora, let's do this. Even though he doesn't particularly like them. I guess that's not true. Uh, one of the things I like about this is that he kind of seems to like Goofy, because who couldn't like Goofy, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just that he really doesn't get along with Donald, which is totally fair. I it mean, It makes sense. Yeah. And he even mentions, like, remembering from his pastime. It's sort of vague, but he remembers he didn't get along with Donald, so he doesn't... It's funny because it's like he doesn't expect to get along with him because he remembers not getting along with him. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But also yeah. it's just Goofy's such a sweetie in this fanfic. Yes. It's great. I know. And because Riku doesn't get along with anyone, it's kind of, it's lovely that he does get along with certain people like Monkey and Goofy. Mm-hmm. And so they go, they go out on their gummy ship. And then there's only one chapter left before, I'm afraid, the fanfic ends. The author starts commenting in the notes, maybe in the previous chapter, just that with information starting to be revealed from Chain of Memories and or Kingdom Hearts 2, it was a little bit distressing since this author was very plot and continuity and lore focused. You know, having the rug pulled out from under them in terms of what the lore and continuity was, which is totally understandable. I feel like we were just talking with Emily back in the last Harry Potter fanfic about some fanfic writing fans being irritated by constant, like, fact drops about the Harry Potter world from J.K. Rowling. And, you know, a new Kingdom Hearts game at any point would just kind of destroy everything that you might have been building up in your own headcanon. Yeah, for sure, because it's just all always out of left field. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I think I understand basically... I I shouldn't say I understand what happens in Chain of Memories. I think I get the premise of Chain of Memories, basically. And even as a repeat of the first game, basically, and, like, everywhere that you go in Sora's mind, it's still, like, introducing 
50 different mysterious plot threads and like new characters and doing setting up very very strange things in kingdom hearts 2 did you play through the chain of memories like re-release as well in this like most recent playthrough no, I, I just watched the cutscenes because I, I think I played a lot of the GBA version mm-hmm. and then maybe finished it on YouTube. But um, but yeah, I, I did watch some of the re-release of Chain of Memories. But yeah, it is like it it completely, the story completely changes when you get to Chain of Memories because you get into Organization 13 and memory alteration and nominee. And it it's like, I could see how if you were writing this very Kingdom Hearts 1-based fan fiction, that could be kind of... that could kind of throw you off a little bit. Yeah. The conclusion the author comes to in the notes section of these chapters is, well, screw it, I'm just going to keep going with my own ideas and try to keep writing. Mm. But clearly they stopped at some point, and I've got to... I've got to expect that the new games did have something to do with that. Like, it would sap well, my motivation. Wait, the author specifically mentions... That, like, that, that they're not going to let that stop them. Well, yeah, but also that it's that's why their hiatus occurred. Right, right. Because they were really kind of depressed that they had these ideas about the game. But when the new game came out, it didn't match their ideas and their theories. Mm-hmm. But... I really like this note because they mentioned that like the reason they persevered is they had to take some time to understand that their idea, their theory didn't mesh with the creator's theory. But once they did, they understood the meaning of fan fiction, <laughs> which is really cool. Like, cause they basically stay specifically like, Oh, but fan fiction is actually about putting out your own ideas about this and having those be valid as well. And having their community validate them in that. I thought it was a really sweet note. Yeah, let's keep the meaning of fan fiction in our hearts every day. Exactly. And God bless yeah. us, everyone. It was beautiful. It was good. Uh, yeah, that was nice. I feel like at some point the author also mentions that they were inspired to keep going just from someone contacting them, being like, are you going to keep mm-hmm. writing it? Mm-hmm. Even after, you know, whatever revelations happened. Yeah, that was like the impetus for them being like, oh, people care about... My interpretation. And on that note, the reason I chose this fanfic is I I didn't get a specific recommendation. I was literally doing a search on fanfiction.net for stories from the appropriate pre-Kingdom Hearts 2 era that seemed to have been well regarded by fanfiction.net metrics. So this one has 266 favorites, 83 follows, you know, 276 comments. By 2000 and to 2004 fanfiction.net standards and Kingdom Hearts fanfic standards at that time, it was very popular. Mm. And if you read the comments, you know, people are leaving comments up through 2011 being like, still waiting for the update, love the story, loved your story back in the day. If you keep writing it, I'll read it. You know, that kind of thing. So sweet. I mean, I have have fanfiction like that myself, Mm -hmm. where the author has not officially declared it dead. And I will read it if they keep writing it, you know, 10 years yeah. from now. Yeah. In my case, it's Sailor Moon fanfiction, though. Of course. Of course. So we've only got one chapter left in this main, uh, or in the fanfic, I suppose. Which is chapter six. Synonymy, synonymy, I guess, six. Well, yes. Oh, I guess chapter six, yes. Chapter six. Technically seven if you're reading through the... They yeah. just title it Synonymy yeah. colon zero six. Yeah, it's chapter Not six. Because like they had a chapter zero. I forgot right. about that. All right. 
Let's go through it, because this is the one that I had not fully finished. I got about halfway through. Okay. Mm. Well, you can summarize it pretty easily, which is that Mm. the gummy ship reaches, what are they calling the world? Oh, Um, like Great Grisha? Grisha, which is Hercules' world. Mm -hmm. And they're scanning it from the ship and like, don't tune Vinny Heartless. But both Riku and Donald have a feeling that they should go down and check it out. And it's interesting where they go with this, because... What's the Hercules world like in the original games? It's very simple. It's basically just the Colosseum. I think it's actually called Olympus Colosseum. Mm-hmm. And it's like you, they land there and it's just the Colosseum and you just do Colosseum fights. Yeah, but you do Colosseum yeah. fights even against like Heartless and monsters, right? Yeah. Because like Hades is sponsoring it and it's just like, oh, you fight these monsters. That's what the Colosseum is. And it's just fights, yeah. And it's just you and Hercules, I guess. Uh, Whereas in this, they go down to Athens and, you know, they do the usual kind of magic that makes them sort of blend in or whatever. Um, And there's a tournament that's going to be happening. And there's still a Colosseum, but it's in Athens and there's like a city around and there's actually people. And, you know, teams that are trying to get together to compete in it. And it's kind of a much more expanded scenario going off of the kind of inspiration of a Colosseum setup for that world. Yeah, and like... In the games, Donald and Goofy never, like, transform themselves into humans. Like, they kind of become, like, ver- like a fish version of themselves, like when they went to the Little Mermaid world. Or- and animal versions in Lion King, right? Yeah, and animal versions in Lion King. But they were always kind of still a duck and a dog, essentially. So it's interesting that they- in this fanfic, they actually turn into humans to blend in. Like, they can't just walk around as a duck and a dog like they normally do in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, it makes more oh. sense to me than than them not doing that in Kingdom Hearts. If you can do that for some worlds, you should do it for all the worlds that don't have many anthropomorphic animals around. I feel like it's pretty uncanny to like visualize that, but it's also like incredible because it's like in all these years of these anthropomorphic Disney characters existing, no one's ever thought like what would these characters look like as a human? I'm certain that's not true, Tori. Okay, you're right. And as soon as I said that, I thought the same thing. But the fact that I haven't been exposed to this idea until now proves that it's not thought of as often as I would personally like. Mm-hmm. I also liked that uh Donald's appearance becomes a plot point because there's a they're they're trying to enter the games and someone mentions like because Donald looks really young I guess because he's short hmm. like that's his human persona right and they say something about like well you can't enter the games because you're a kid and he gets really mad he's, he's about to say he's seventy maybe they were trying to say the age that like the Donald character actually oh, is oh that yeah, must I be that's it right. I was like is he really that old but no that makes total sense and of course he's like a court magician who knows how old he uh, is in yeah. Kingdom Hearts and of course like Donald as an actual character in the canon can't be like currently 70 because he's still like in DuckTales but, like, reboots hanging out with his uncle who's like you know who's like 700 yeah exactly <laughs> no I, that's also not true I don't know how long do ducks live how long do anthropomorphic ducks live? Uh, long enough that they can have experienced the California gold rush and still be kicking around lively mm, in the modern right, day. Yeah. However old that is. 700 sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of expecting Hercules to step in and he never does. It's more just kind of a chance to show that like Goofy's super awesome. I yeah. Guess. He's good at blocking attacks. I always kind of forget that like, it's it's cool that Goofy is like a knight that just carries a shield in Kingdom Hearts because he doesn't want to hurt right, anybody. Yeah. I mean, he still does, though. He's a sweet character. 
So I love Goofy, and you know what else I love? Final Fantasy VI. And so I got the most invested I ever was in this fanfic when friggin', how do you say it? But, um, it's, well, it's Edgar, it's the words in, the letters in Edgar re-jiggered around. Mm. Um, how exactly does it go? And so the fact that it wasn't even Edgar showing up, it was this specific callback to Final Fantasy VI, made me so invested in this. I was like, oh, why is he here? Like, why is he keeping a low profile? What's his goal here? And he's the one, you mentioned Rosie, that recruits Riku and Goofy after seeing them brawl in the streets mm -hmm. to be his partners in the Coliseum tournament. Now, sadly, my interest now being at its very high point, uh, then the fan begins. But yeah, lots of threads left in the air, including the immediate ones and the long-term ones. I was so sad when I realized it was unfinished. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, I didn't realize that when I signed it. I was like just searching for possible Kingdom Hearts fanfics and throwing them out there. And I think I sent you a couple options, Rosie. Yeah, I didn't notice either. And I, I just hadn't checked the end of it. I, I just kind of assumed like, oh, it's a decent length. You know, it was written over the period of a couple of years. It's got a whole lot of favorites and stuff. Yeah. It must be done, right? And the author also went through a whole like year-long hiatus of debating whether it was worth continuing to write. Yeah, well, I didn't know that either when I was shooting the fanfic. Oh, uh, well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but I feel like that's the same thing that happened with um, the Digimon fanfic, the Tachikawa Mimi one, mm. where it just looked like it must be complete, and so I assumed it was. No, it, that's not always going to happen. Like, I, I feel like there's must be way more incomplete fan fiction out there than there are complete ones. Uh, I feel like we did get enough from this to get a sense of what it was trying to do. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely that. I think we got a sense of what it was trying to do. And let's see. Is there anything else we want to talk about from the main body? There does slapstick pretty well. Mm -hmm. mm. Like um, there's a scene, I could even read it, but there's a scene later on the gummy ship where like, Goofy is peeking his head down through the hatch, like from the top deck, and is talking to Riku. And then, like suddenly, his head disappears because he's been like snatched up. And then Donald peeks down and is like talking to Riku, and just stuff like that was was very amusing. Like they did that pretty well. Yeah, it's funny because it seems like they get very concise in those moments of humor, and it works very well. But then they also have long descriptions of other things and their long descriptions are also you know very nice but it's interesting how they kind of switch between now speaking of long descriptions we should probably bring this to a close um traditionally we ask if there's anything we want to complain about that we did not get to or that we just want to reiterate before we lavish some praise on the fanfic at the end um in terms of complaints I actually wasn't sure I, I liked the capitalization and the flashbacks of, of like Sora, like he and friend and just anything referring to Sora. Um, I kind of, I think I understood what the author was going for, but it just felt a little bit much, especially because in a later chapter, Sora uses a personal pronoun and in his dialogue, the me is capitalized. Mm. And I was like, that doesn't make sense because Sora doesn't think of himself as like this capital me person that's yeah. riku sure but it's riku's memory of sora saying the thing true true but i agree it it was kind of cute and you probably could have done it once instead of doing it yeah. consistently every time it's the flashback it gets a little old it, or it's not old like it doesn't de detract exactly it's just like kind of heavy-handed i guess 
It's a little distracting, I think. Yeah. I think it does detract. And I think that that's part of my criticism as well is the overuse of like playing with formal elements of this. There are much many areas of text, like there's the song insertions, which would have been fine if the rest of maybe not with all the pluses, because they put pluses in between letters of the song lyrics, and that is a lot. Okay. Like I get playing with formal convention, but it's very inconsistent because occasionally you also get the bold combo with brackets which i think are supposed to be internal thoughts but there are times when internal thoughts are not framed that way so i feel like they did the bold with brackets they did the pluses they did the capitalization of like friend and of sora's personal pronouns it was and there was even more than that and it was a lot like it was also hard just to got the un, you've got the unreliable narrator stuff going on as well where you're not even certain kind of what's happening all the time or what's really happening Beyond the formal conventions, it's like that's on top of a story that is already kind of like, I don't know what the word is, experimental in some ways or like non unclear in some ways. Yes, correct. And so for me, you know, I do think the capitalization especially is unnecessary on top of everything else. There are so many formal plays that could have been either more consistent or just not done. But then the capitalization is super hard because it's like, you didn't really need it. Like, you know that Sora is a significant person to Riku, regardless of that. So it just felt like the author was trying too hard in that sense. Hmm. Now, for me, a lot of this is personal bias about what I'm interested in, right? I'm not very interested in Riku Sora innately, I don't particularly care, but it seems to me like there are two parts of the fanfic, kind of, and that chapters one through, what is it, five, are really, really about being in Riku's head about how he feels about Sora. And the last two chapters, the Merlin and the Grisha, are more about kind of adventure in the Kingdom Hearts vein and exploring the Disney and Final Fantasy characters and worlds and kind of keeping you guessing about how the how this timeline's going to end up being different. And the author dials back a fair bit on kind of the um on the level of Riku Sora mucking around and being in Riku's mind. Now I, I mean I guess that's fine. I, I just thought I just felt like those first five chapters were hard for me to get through because they were repetitive. I guess repetitive is the word. The same ground is covered quite a bit in the flashbacks and the same ground is covered quite a bit in Riku's present. And, but that leads into what I really want to praise because I got really into the fanfic by the end, partially because Kingdom Hearts itself is strangely uninterested in just kind of mucking around Disney worlds and like, throwing Final Fantasy elements into the mix. They do it some, Mm -hmm. but it's like you go to Hercules World and it's a Colosseum and you fight enemies. You go to Agrabah and there's nobody there. There is literally nobody in Agrabah. Like when you go back in Kingdom Hearts 2, there is a single merchant who can be there so the plot of Return of Jafar can happen. And it just blew my mind watching it originally. Like how, how can you not want to like bring these worlds to more like vivid life or like let you explore and kind of get the actual character of what they were like in the movies Mm. 
but a lot of the time they don't. And the fact the author was taking that and being like, oh no, like Grisha is a whole world and there's like all kinds of stuff happening there and there's people there and there's places to explore and it's not just a coliseum floating in space without a context. The fact the author was doing that and that they were throwing in Final Fantasy elements to kind of, you know, take things in unfamiliar directions, um, I really appreciated. One of my favorite parts in Kingdom Hearts 2 was the Hades part with what is it, Oron from Final Fantasy X? Yeah. Like, because it was such a deft using a Final Fantasy character and changing their context and putting them into a Disney context and kind of making those stories fit together really well. And usually, and that did not happen enough in Kingdom Hearts for my tastes. Mm. So it, it made me really happy to see the author uh, catering to my tastes, I guess. Yeah, I like that too. And I think it shows it's an advantage of um, kind of writing and fan fiction over the game because I think they just don't have the resources to like make every world. Yeah, they definitely ran out of budget for some of those worlds. Yeah, like that's why it's like a coliseum in space. Um, it's like the limits of the of the technology, but like there's no such limits in, in the fan fiction. Mm-mm. Only the limits of the author's willingness to write it, sadly. Yeah. Mm. What do you two want to praise as the strongest things that you took from the fanfic? And if it's something you've already talked about, you can just repeat that quickly. I'll That's just fine. I'll just say um, again. I think they did do a pretty good job capturing what Riku is like, or at least how he kind of comes across in the games. His his angstiness and kind of weird insecurity. There was a little moment in what I think the last flashback where they're in the tent where he's very worried, like little Riku, cause I guess they're young. There is very worried to tell Sora that he's had a nightmare cause he thinks that Sora will like totally reject him. And I actually found that kind of relatable cause as a socially anxious person, I sometimes have those thoughts like, Oh, if I say this completely fine thing, I'm going to be rejected. And then, you know, and then you're not rejected and it's, it's a very nice thing. So I think they did a good job kind of capturing that that teenage insecurity that I think defines a lot of characters in Kingdom Hearts, especially Riku. It's an interesting thing to say, like, because for me, Riku was kind of a hard character to read, but I agree that the characterization was really well done. And it's nice that the author got so far into his head, and I feel like there's so many good descriptions just... Oftentimes, like, I guess this is, I can read a good example. Like, oftentimes the description will kind of highlight the feeling of angst that Riku has or whatever feeling is. It's mostly angst. Like, let's be real. (laughs) But that is true to the character, and that's fair. And he's a 15-year-old boy, and he's gone through a lot. But um, the, the images are really good. Like, this one I like. The sand was slick, wet. Feet pounded into the mush, leaving deep imprints that trailed far behind him. And you even get that idea of, like, things trailing behind, etc. Like, such good images. Whitecap's surf rolled ferociously onto the beach, washing up stringy kelp and wriggling fish. The sea was writhing beneath the boiling sky, charged by the coming storm, and the wind huffed fiercely, whipping at his hair wildly. The strands kept binding him, or blinding him, and he held them out of his eyes with one hand in frustration. Still running, he glanced up overhead at the brilliant strokes of reds and purples that stained the clouds. Lightning flashed jaggedly, sparks brightening the heavy dark clouds with thunder following. 
not but a moment after. There was no scent of rain, however. The tinge of salt in the ocean gusts left an odd taste in his mouth, stale and metallic. It wasn't like the usual feeling he was accustomed to for many years living on the archipelago. There was a touch of foreboding here, a sense of impending doom. So just like every description kind of highlights the character's feeling, and I felt that was really strong. And I guess I've I kind of already said my piece, but I also think I enjoyed the angst because it was nostalgic having kind of been a teenager around that time and having been reading fan fiction around that time. Like, I definitely had the urge to write very melodramatic stuff, and I definitely saw my friends and just people online who were that age writing very melodramatic stuff. So it was sort of like going back into that mode a little bit for me. Yeah, I understand too. I remember having kind of a phase too. I was doing less writing than reading, but the urge to write some things and the reaction of reading some things where it's like, oh, this is so like serious and dramatic. That makes it good. And I mean, the stuff was good, but that, you know, that I didn't appreciate that like you could have something totally lighthearted also or frivolous or whatever and could also still be really good writing uh it was definitely kind of like you wanted that weight Mm -hmm. the weight of your soul (laughs) but where is my soul what does he say can you see can you see my soul (laughs) to his reflection well, your soul is actually your heart, and your heart is probably within you, but it might be off somewhere else, maybe in a realm of darkness, and it might have spawned a nobody, um, oh, yeah. is my understanding. It might have spawned several nobodies. Is that right? <laughs> oh, God. I wasn't quite clear in this fanfic. Like, is Riku, like, himself, or is he, like, some sort of, like, memory echo of himself? Well, like, he's supposed to be himself. Okay, but, like, Merlin said something about how, like, if you've been a heartless, like, he was, right? You, like, He wasn't a... a heartless. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was a different thing. I see, because he bonded with Ansem, so it was, it was a little convoluted. He was anyway. probably an unversed, who knows? Whatevs. <laughs> it's, it's Kingdom Hearts. Uh, anyway... I think that brings us to the end of what we can usefully talk about from this fanfic. Thanks very much for joining me on this journey. It it's it was difficult to tackle, but I think we got our thoughts out. Yeah. Um, and especially thanks for coming on and inspiring us to do some Kingdom Hearts, Rosie. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. That's yeah. good, because I understand you are hoping to launch your own podcast venture soon, right? Yeah, um, me and my brother are trying to launch a manga discussion podcast that we're going to call Manga Kyodai, like manga siblings. Um, But yeah, we're still working on it, but hopefully we'll have that out relatively soon. Great. Well, Well, I'd be really excited to listen to it. So Once it goes up, let us know, and we'll definitely share the link to both of our listeners. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Both of our listeners. That's the kind of kickstart you need. You're just going to say that right on the podcast like that. They know who they are, both of the listeners. Yeah, but I feel like you're insulting their taste by implying that there are not more joining them. (laughs) Well, if there are, in fact, more than two listeners out there, we would love to hear from you. Um, And I may as well give you some contact information on our way out. This was episode 44 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Synonymy by Ruaki, published 2002, Kingdom Hearts. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrhearts. The intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. And 
you, our listeners, may know that our website can be found at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And you can leave comments there, I believe. It's kind of through Podbean, of course. You can also send questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode to us on Twitter at RetroFanfic, to us on Facebook at RetroFanfic, email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com. RetroFanfic was just not specific enough for email. And, um, or through whatever service you listen to, it probably reaches us. You know what? I'm not sure. I've ever, like, checked the Apple podcasts or whatever listing of our fanfic. It could be that comments are being... I'm sorry, the Apple podcast listing of our podcast. Uh, It could be people are leaving comments on there all the time and we just never check them. I'm not sure if you want to let the listeners know that, Amato. (laughs) We have no secrets from the listeners. That's a good point. We're an open book. An open fanfic. (laughs) I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Rosie. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Usually Dom says something there. Yeah, Dom says bye. you actually do have an iTunes review. You have one iTunes review. Oh, do we? I was just checking today. I haven't looked at that one.